It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, And Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. Death and dying is already extremely difficult made much worse by the isolation, by the fear, having to keep our family and friends away. It's a challenge I never could have imagined three months ago. This is Sarah and Beth. You're listening to Pantsuit Politics, the home of grace-filled political conversations. Welcome to another special episode of Pantsuit Politics. We heard from so many of you that you were struggling in conversations with your loved ones and friends about COVID-19. We understand that there is a lot of distrust in the national media, and we thought what we could do as an independent podcast is share the stories from our community in an episode that you can share with family and friends. So you're not going to hear our voices much in this episode. You're going to be hearing from the Pantsy Politics community. These are just listeners. We don't know what their politics are. We don't know where all of them live or their family situations. We just know that they are our listeners who took time to send in these voice memos. And the only guidance that we gave is give us a minute or two about your personal experience with coronavirus. We are going to start with the mayor of my hometown, Brandy Harless, who's sharing her perspective on what it's like to be a local leader at this time. 
And after you hear from Mayor Harless, we have stories from several other listeners that we're just not going to interrupt or introduce in any way. We just want you to hear them in their own words. Over the weekend, I was listening to a TED Talk and Daniel Allen from Harvard, who is an ethicist there, was speaking about the intersection of our fundamental values uh, as Americans. And I realized very quickly that the three fundamental values she referenced has a lot of relevancy to me as, number one, a mayor, uh, number two, a business owner, and number three, a public health professional. And she said, you know, those three fundamental values are, one, civil liberties, two, our public health and safety, and three, our desire to have a thriving economy. And those three things are not at odds necessarily. They don't have to be. um, But in this moment, it seems as if that they are. And so for me, as a mayor, a business owner, and a public health professional, my goal right now is to really be understanding how can we put the gas on the economy, um, but knowing that at any moment, if we put the brakes on, our system is prepared to respond. Uh, And the brakes really have to do with our ability to test in a way that's efficient and not just test everybody every day, but having true protocols in place to be able to prevent the spread, um, but also utilize that data and contact tracing to make sure we can trace out who has been exposed and to contain on a smaller scale um, at any given time. But then to be able to turn it around again and put the gas back on the economy in a slow manner so that we can start to open up um, things and make it seem like we're headed towards a little bit more normal. The truth of the matter is, and my thought is, we're two years away from normal, but we can start to really see the intersection of those three fundamental values happening as we start to have these conversations. You know, as a mayor in a smaller city in Kentucky who um, is the regional hub, the economy is such a driver for us, and that fear that we're close to the cliff is always on the front of our minds. I don't believe we're close to the cliff, uh, but I think we've got to take action in order to not be. I also think, though, that there's a way to do this. It's one of those things that I'm so proud about being an American You know, we are very enterprising people. We have solved a lot of our challenges historically. We have started brand new companies and invented really awesome things that have helped our lives. Uh, And we can do that with this. It's just there is more focus on it right now. Now more than ever, our public is paying attention. Uh, And that part, I think, will actually improve the process if we are open and willing to listen. My name is Erica, and I work at the CDC headquarters in Atlanta, Georgia. Many of my friends and colleagues have been working tirelessly on the COVID-19 pandemic response for months now. I can recall when one of my friends in early January, she works in the influenza division, and she texted me, things are getting really busy on my floor because we're learning about this mysterious pneumonia-like illness in China. I'm nervous, but this is going to be a lot of work. And then we proceeded to not see her for weeks and weeks as she practically lived at the office and things got more and more dire and dramatic. I too am now working on the response as are thousands of my colleagues. But I just fear that many Americans' trust and perception of the CDC will be greatly damaged when this is all over due to the hamstringing that the Trump administration is doing. 
And while the daily press briefings may not serve as good reminders of this, I want Pantsuit Politics listeners to know that CDC staff are working on so many cool and important and timely things to protect the health and safety of Americans. I have friends who worked on the cruise ship task force to repatriate Americans who were stuck at sea around the world. And I have friends working on really important studies to understand predictors of severe illness um, in COVID-19. And I have colleagues working to make sure that the U.S. learns about contact tracing from other countries who have experienced the worst of their outbreaks already. So just a reminder that he doesn't speak for all of us. He certainly doesn't speak for me. And the nation's public health agency is really doing our level best. Thanks so much. I wanted to share my aunt's story. She is a nurse practitioner on the front lines at a charity hospital and contracted COVID-19 from a patient because of a lack of protective equipment. And in the course of her illness, she sent me this text in which she said, quote, I will no longer tell patients that most people only get a mild case of COVID-19. Even a mild case has me feeling more ill than I have ever felt in my life. Take this seriously. Wear masks and gloves. Stay home. Do not put your family at risk. Those were her words, and she is not one to exaggerate. She is on the road to recovery now. Thank God. I'm so grateful for that. But she is urging people to not take it for granted that they may get a mild case. Thank you guys so much for what you're doing. Take care. We are special breakfast people here at Pantsuit Politics, but not just when Beth and I are on the road. The truth is I want something warm from the oven every Saturday morning and Sunday morning. It's just the truth. It makes it feel special, makes it feel exciting. I don't want to work at it. So the first time I ever saw Wild Grain, which is bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries, I was obsessed. You guys, I've been a member for over a year. It's amazing. It's so easy. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less. No thawing required. You can fully customize your wild grain box. You can choose any combination of breads, pastas, pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. And for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. Sometimes I make one single croissant just for me because I want to feel special and they're so good. You heard me. Free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Can I get something off my chest? Every day I feel a little pang of sadness because I think about Griffin going away to college. Y'all, he's a freshman in high school. This is not healthy or normal. This is why I have it on my list of things to talk to my therapist about. We all carry around these things, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us. Therapy is a safe space to get these things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. You gotta get it off your chest. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. 
That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash pansy. Looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life? Aura frames are beautiful, Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. And if you're giving an Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. You guys, I love my Aura frames. I have one in my office. I have one in my kitchen. I have given one as a housewarming gift. I have given one as Mother's Day, Father's Day. They are the most amazing gifts because this app is a game changer, in my personal opinion, in digital frames. It makes it so, so easy to get the pictures on there and even videos. It plays like you're in Harry Potter, you guys. It is the best. I love mine so much. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Use code Pantsuit at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. My sister in Jupiter, Florida was diagnosed with coronavirus at the end of March. Jupiter is close to Miami-Dade and Broward counties where the hotspot here in Florida is. And I wanted to share that her symptoms were very mild. The only reason that she was tested was because she found out that she was in direct contact with someone who had tested positive as well. Um, A few weeks after her positive test, she and her husband both received the antibody test and she and her husband were both found to have antibodies. Like I said, my sister did not even have a fever and her husband had absolutely zero symptoms. And I share this not to downplay coronavirus. My sister and her husband are both healthy and in their 20s um, and we already know that this virus affects people very differently. But I just wanted to highlight the very real threat of asymptomatic spread. This may not have been exactly the story you were looking for, but I, like most Americans, had my spring break plans disrupted by COVID. But unlike other people, my trip was not something to go to the beach or just have fun. My father's heart stopped when he was on a business trip in January, and this was going to be mine and my family's first opportunity to see him after that had happened and after he had pacemaker surgery. Now it has been many months since I've been able to see him, and there will be many more months before I can because he is so incredibly high risk. And we both live in states with governors who don't seem to take this seriously. I'm in Georgia and they're in Florida, and we're so close Yet, who knows when it will be that I can see him again because people are not taking this seriously. My COVID-19 story is about my sister-in-law, Nicole, and her husband, Joel. Both are healthcare workers in Denver, Colorado, and have been working with COVID-19 patients from the start. My sister-in-law is also seven months pregnant. Around mid-March, they both noticed a loss of smell and taste. Nicole otherwise felt fine, but her husband's symptoms quickly developed into something like a really terrible flu. Within a few days, he was averaging a fever of 104 degrees. Joel is in his 40s, an Ironman competitor and one of the healthiest people I know. Yet the fever persisted and his condition worsened until he was barely able to breathe, much less leave his bed or walk around the house. Because Nicole is pregnant, she had to quarantine herself elsewhere in their home. Within days, Joel's condition was so bad he was reaching out to his lawyers to ensure that his affairs were in order should the worst happen. Nicole was a wreck and sobbed at the foot of his bed, unwilling to leave him. 
Luckily, some of their friends at the hospital were able to bring them an oxygen tank. With the relief to his lungs, Joel's body was able to slowly recover. It took about two weeks, but he was able to make a full recovery. We are fully aware of how lucky they are to have the resources they do and are so thankful that they are all safe and healthy today. But the experience of waiting to see if your sister will be widowed while pregnant is probably one of the most horrific things either my partner or I have ever been through. If social distancing can prevent that kind of fear and potential for heartbreak, it's worth it. My mom actually died early on in this pandemic, and uh, while I honestly feel for people struggling with the shelter in place right now, my message for them is simply this. Use your imagination. My mom was actually planning to come visit us for my daughter's piano recital a week before she was having to go to the hospital, but thankfully she said, you know, I'm feeling a little sick, and she stayed home. I realized that some people might not have even seen that as sickness. She just had a little bit of an off feeling, and some people who are sick don't even feel anything. So right now, the professionals are advising us to stay at home. That is what we need to do. Just use your imagination. If she had come and my husband and I had gotten sick, my daughter would be an orphan right now. And I can't even think about that for very long without really realizing how real this pandemic really is. So just use your imagination. Sit down, take a deep breath, and use your imagination. I work at a nonprofit serving children in foster care in Missouri. I have watched our program staff rise to the occasion and implement one of Missouri's first ever online foster parenting classes so that when this pandemic lifts, there are more foster homes in our area to serve children who are going to need it. Missouri is reporting a decrease by 50% in the number of phone calls coming into their child abuse and neglect hotline, which is not a good thing. That means that children are not around mandated reporters like teachers and nurses who are catching these signs of abuse. There are children who are in unsafe homes right now, and I fear that their story is not being told. So please help tell their story, and please thank every foster parent who is serving children from hard places. They deserve a special Medal of Honor these days. I wanted to tell you about my son-in-law, who's a respiratory therapist in one of the hard-hit New York ICUs. He is working without proper protection. He's using the same N95 mask for multiple days, putting it in a paper bag and putting it back contaminated on his face. He is using masks that I made out of quilting material because he doesn't have surgical masks to put over his N95 mask for each day. And he and a coworker intubated the first COVID patient together a few weeks ago. That coworker is now dead. He has to go back to work every day knowing now that he is putting his life at risk. And he's going back there anyway. We are sick with worry about him. And the people who don't care about that and just want to be free and get a haircut enrage me. I'm a full-time hospice nurse in Northern California. Um, I've been doing this for 10 years, and this is unlike anything I've ever seen. We're getting daily updates. Um, protocols are changing daily. It's hard to keep it all straight. We're doing much more of our work over the phone to protect us and to protect our patients. They're really the most vulnerable people in the country right now to contracting COVID-19. Um, we've been asked to limit our visits to times when there's truly a quote-unquote skilled nursing need, such as unmanaged symptoms, wound care, or treatments. They don't 
understand that in hospice, sometimes compassionate presence is a skilled need. Um, just to come over and just give someone a quick hug, just to come over and see your patient and just hold their hand for a little while and just tell them you're doing such a wonderful job. These interventions are vital to keep weary family members going when things are tough. And phone calls, they're just not the same. I know that all nurses are adjusting to COVID-19 right now and how it's changed appropriate physical touch and presence guidelines. And it really makes me realize how much I've relied on these things as a hospice nurse over the years. Gentle touch, physical presence, so, so important. And it may seem trivial, but I am having real grief over this right now. As we separate physically to keep ourselves safe, things are much more difficult for the people at the end of their lives. Helpful friends and neighbors can't visit Long-distance family are discouraged from visiting, and the isolation in assisted living facilities and nursing facilities is palpable. Death and dying is already extremely difficult, made much worse by the isolation, by the fear, having to keep our family and friends away. It's a challenge I never could have imagined three months ago. A lot of people want to brush this off. A lot of people want to say that death is inevitable, and I totally get that. I'm usually the first person to say that because I'm one of the only people I know who's really not afraid to face death and dying head on. But this is not like that. The thought of my patients suffering more because we can't get our national testing under control is unconscionable. The thought of my patients not having the drugs that they need to die in peace like morphine and lorazepam, atropine, and other vital palliative medications. That's very, very scary to me, nearly as scary as running out of vital PPE that nurses and doctors need. I don't know what the solution is, but I know that we're going to do everything we can with what we have. Ever since this all started, my team has faced this every day, not a single call-in. We share our equipment, we share our knowledge, we help each other out, and that's all that we can do. And I know everybody's afraid. Our patients are afraid, my colleagues are afraid, but everybody keeps showing up, which is really, really amazing. So I know it's not really uplifting, but it's a little snapshot of how this has changed things for us in end-of-life care. I miss touching my patients. I miss hugging their families. But I'm going to keep doing my job, and we're going to figure this out. And I hope you all continue to stay home and support all us nurses the best you can. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you Ritual for that. 
Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. There's not much worse than a dry energy scalp. Also, when you get your hair colored and then it does not last as long as you and your stylist discussed, it could be that unfiltered, mineral-filled water is the culprit. Hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin, and about 85% of the United States uses hard water, filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered shower head comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered shower head. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered shower head is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, our listeners can use code Pantsuit at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. We also had several listeners write in. We're going to share right now Megan's message from us. We thought it was important to share a wide range of experiences and opinions. So here is Megan. I love your idea of having people reach out to you regarding their personal experiences with COVID-19. I felt compelled to share my experience with you, though it's not exactly what you're looking for. But that's what I love most about you guys. You're not simply looking for stories that fit your agenda, but for the truth as it relates to real people in real situations. My husband contracted an illness in mid-March. He had a dry cough, fever reaching 102, and even for the first time, shortness of breath. He was sick a total of seven days, with days three and five being the worst. We live in St. Louis County and contacted our nurse. We were told that though he had all the symptoms of COVID-19, he would not qualify for a test. Despite advertising drive through testing, she said we'd simply wait in line and be denied. The best thing we could do was to self-quarantine. So per medical advice, we stayed home. 
We told very few people, but did tell our church small group leaders when they sent a how can we pray for you text. Then we told a few after the fact, yet news spread and fear massed as hatred surfaced. We received texts from people in our church and neighborhood who were angry that we weren't more careful beforehand, blaming us for getting this disease from doing something simply like going to the store rather than having groceries delivered, getting a pizza, driving through Starbucks, and even taking my daughter for walks around our neighborhood. Our home has no high-risk individuals. We never feared getting the virus ourselves, but still socially distanced ourselves to help others not get it. But having gotten it, it wasn't bad. The illness was an illness, and we got over it quickly. The worst part was feeling like a villain in our own community for having gotten it despite our efforts. Like somehow FaceTiming us makes people still more susceptible even a month after the fact. I think this virus has messed with people's mental health more than we realize. I think in this time of a pandemic, we need to come together as a community and show love and support. I do not feel social distancing is the solution, especially long term. It will not make the virus go away completely. It never will. However, it will make our views of the virus and fears of those who have it higher. It is making us feel lonely and isolated and bitter. This is why I think we should end it. But I understand that this is simply my personal experience. Thank you, Megan. And then we wanted to share an experience that we are a little bit closer to Kelly, who works with us. If you have booked us for a speaking event, you've worked with Kelly. She is a wonderful human being. And her husband has COVID-19 and has been hospitalized with it for a couple of weeks now. Kelly was kind enough to have her son's words that he wrote about this journey read on our podcast so that you all can understand what the family's been going to. This is a little bit long, but I want to read most of it because it really shows what an up and down journey many families are going through. My dad's first COVID-19 symptoms appeared two weeks ago. His fever quickly worsened, so we took him into the ER that Sunday. At that point, the hospital didn't have enough tests and were only administering if the patient was critical enough to be admitted. This was not the case with my dad. An x-ray of his chest, however, was reported as 97% consistent with the pneumonia typically induced by the virus. So we began to operate under the assumption that he would test positive. We were instructed to bring him home, quarantine him to his room, and treat him as we would someone stricken by the flu. From that point on, his fever fluctuated but remained at concerning levels. He wasn't necessarily experiencing shortness of breath yet, which was the complication we were waiting for to bring him back in. This past weekend, he was prescribed hydroxychloroquine and Zithromax, and his fever went down significantly, but he wasn't able to sleep and felt increasing discomfort in his chest. Monday night, he took a turn for the worse and decided he was ready to go to the hospital again. My mom and I sped him there around 1 a.m. Tuesday morning. My mom was able to accompany him into the ER, and my sisters joined me in the ER parking lot where we spent the night. Mom periodically called to fill us in on his status. His oxygen levels were low enough to necessitate connection to a ventilator, but EKG results came back concerning, and the cardiologist recommended a heart catheterization. The results showed complete blockage of the main artery servicing his heart, and he had probably either a heart attack earlier that night or was having one while we were in the car. They performed surgery to remove blockage and installed a stent in the artery and a balloon pump to help boost his blood flow. He was then taken into ICU, at which point my mom had to leave him. Because of COVID-19 policy, no one can visit him to avoid risk of infection. We went back home around 6 a.m. Tuesday morning and have spent the ensuing days periodically calling his ICU nurse to check on him. 
In our most recent conversation with doctors, his liver function is reaching close enough to normal to administer the drug Acerma, usually prescribed to rheumatoid arthritis patients, to hopefully quell inflammation in his lungs. So far, it has shown promising results for COVID-19 patients on ventilators. He is now off the heart pump and has gone from needing three blood pressure medications to one, so his heart is moving in the right direction. They have flipped him to a prone, face-down position for about 16 hours of the day to take pressure off his lungs, and the oxygen support levels he's requiring have gone down to 60%. He is still very sedated and on a paralytic drug, and his day-to-day chest x-rays are showing improvement. His condition remains stable, but very critical. He is fighting potential complications on several fronts, and at this point, it's about finding the right balance of mechanical support and medication to help his body defeat the virus and nurse his lungs and heart back to health. So that was two weeks ago. This is the update from last week. It's been a long, hard, emotional week for my family, but my dad has made steady, incremental progress every day. Monica, his nurse this afternoon, surprised us with a FaceTime call from an iPad that the hospital has commissioned to help breach the cruel gap between ICU patients and their families that COVID-19 conditions necessitate. He is still sedated and unconscious, but my mom's sisters and I were so grateful to see his face and tell him how much we love him. He is doing better than anyone anticipated after our hellish Tuesday morning, and Monica told us that they are hoping to extubate from the ventilator tomorrow, which I am excited and nervous about, and we will see how capably his body functions on its own accord. My mom, sisters, and I have spent the past six quarantine days occupying ourselves as best as possible, calling the ICU nurse assigned to my dad anywhere from two to seven times during her shift, relaying the updates to our friends and family, and responding to the gracious barrage of messages of love and encouragement from people far and wide. I'm sure the beautiful fuss people have made over Stu will have his eyes rolling just as soon as he opens them, for he lives to make much of others, but witnessing the scope and depth of his influence has been incredibly humbling and comforting for our family, especially in such an isolated time. On the wall beside our television, we have a taped list of the different doctors and nurses that have treated my dad up to this point, and I noticed that 11 of the 12 names were women's. These are the medical professionals literally facilitating my dad's existence at this point, constantly supervising his vitals, raising and lowering his medicine and support levels, taping pictures of our family to the wall beside his bed and relaying our names and encouragement to his sedated ear, fielding our incessant calls, answering our scared, ignorant questions with patience and comforting competence, having the empathy to put on a hazmat suit just to FaceTime us so we can see his unconscious face for 30 seconds, and nursing him back to life before our eyes. Women make up 78% of the healthcare field overall, despite consistently making less than their male counterparts across the board. This means that consistent with the list taped to our wall, the vast majority of the healthcare workers on the front lines of the response to COVID-19, risking their safety daily to save the lives of those critically ill are women. Last week, by the weekend, the ICU doctor sent me a text that said she was hoping he would be out of ICU by Monday. He had a great day on Saturday and Sunday. Then Sunday night, everything went downhill. His doctors and nurses were hoping to remove the ventilator today, but he threw up last night, and they had to suction the food off his stomach. They found blood in his stomach, but after a CT scan on his gastrointestinal tract, there's no active hemorrhaging or cause for concern. They retested him for COVID-19, and he is still positive, which marks almost a month total, two weeks in ICU with a positive diagnosis. His fever has been spiking all day, so there is cause for concern there as well. They're monitoring his hemoglobin and white blood cell counts. Another setback today. Please keep praying and sending love and positive energy. 
And then here is our most recent update from Kelly. Today, the doctors have decided to try a plasma exchange. It is a low-risk procedure that involves filtering his blood in a machine, replacing with fresh plasma that has more antibodies. It should take about an hour and a half. They're also still seeing bleeding from his stomach. They suspect it is an ulcer, but they've decided to do an EGD, which involves a camera examining his gastrointestinal tract to hopefully find the source and stop it. His hemoglobin has been dropping, which is a sign of the bleeding. They're going to refrain from blood thinners until they can stop the bleeding. Both procedures should be done around 3.30, and we are hoping to hear back around 4 or 5 from the doctor. Right now, we are on hold waiting to hear. One of the most precious things that has happened is one of the nurses put a blue polka-dotted heart on his window so we would know where he was. So Stuart has had so many visitors that have taken a picture of themselves with the heart saying they are praying. On Saturday, our community did a prayer chain every 30 minutes, someone in the parking lot, and someone at home from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. We are sending our love along to to Kelly and her family. Thank you so much, Kelly, for allowing us to share that detailed update, just to understand the range of experiences that people are going through with us. Yeah, I think it's important because COVID-19 and its impact is as varied and complicated as human beings themselves. And so we just wanted to put voice to that and make it a little more real so that it doesn't just become background noise or, you know, it's hard to connect with mass media stories when you're just seeing sort of B-roll of people you don't know. So I hope that this time to really just share individual voices will be helpful to many of you. We are so grateful for everyone who shared their stories and trusted us with those stories, we will be back in your ears on Tuesday. And until then, keep it nuanced, y'all. Pantsu Politics is produced by Dylan Garvin and Studio D Production. Elise Knapp is our managing editor. Dante Lima is the composer and performer of our theme music. Our show is listener-supported. Special thanks to our executive producers, Tracy Putoff, Tim Miller, Tiffany Hassler, Martha Branitsky, Joshua Allen, David McWilliams, Allie Edwards, Amy Whited, and Jared Minson. To support Pantsuit Politics and receive lots of bonus features, visit patreon.com slash pantsuitpolitics. You can connect with us on our website, pantsuitpoliticsshow.com, sign up for our weekly emails, and follow us on Instagram.